0: Okay, welcome to our Missionary Day Forum. We have uh, quite a number of presenters here, so we're going to keep on uh, moving here. The underlying theme that I want you to be thinking about is how is your gift being used to further the Great Commission? There's all sorts of things to do in the kingdom of God. Um, There'll be some ideas, some examples of what people are doing here. I want us to be thinking about where is our place, where is our calling, i 'm um, not going to introduce each one as they go they 're going to introduce themselves as they go along for the most part uh, we 're going to begin with the uh, Papua New Guinea, and that will be uh, Sister Elsie Schlaughter.
1: Good morning, everyone. Uh, probably many of you know that Vic and myself went to Papua New Guinea in one thousand nine hundred and sixty one probably before many of you were born. Anyway, the Lord has blessed that work. I just want to share a few um, a short PowerPoint with you this morning. Uh, This just is a picture of some of those that are holding up the Bible that we translated into the Walla language for uh, a group in the southern highlands of Papua New Guinea uh, who were actually um, uh, Stone Age people and had no written language. And now they have the word of God in their language. And we're very thankful for the literacy program, and that is the one thing I noted in on page three from the uh, uh, ACCF committee, that that is one that is encouraged to be supported. Uh, we're so grateful for the support that has been given over the years, and it's a large program that continues, and we're just thankful for those of you who have supported that. Uh, there are... Uh, This is the last statistics I had. It costs approximately $2,000 a quarter to fund the the teaching over this area. It involves about uh, 50,000 people are in that language group. And this is one of the many building programs. This is in the area of Mount Hagen. They are making a new uh, kind of a center for leadership to come for further training, the thing is that they have power there uh, we don 't have electricity yet in the area where the uh, main office and headquarters is located in the Nipe area and The present vehicle can no longer maintain the workload required. This picture was taken a few years ago, trying to transport lumber from a bush sawmill to get it into areas where building programs are going on. And so we're looking for some assistance for a a vehicle that can carry uh, lumber and things that is needed to be transported. We just praise the Lord for the spiritual blessings that continue to abound here with new converts and more baptisms. This photo was just taken in February when uh, Vic and I were there for a month. The evangelism continues with churches planted in new areas as the good news spreads to different places. This is a place in Garoka that just has, come, uh, has become a part of Good News Christian Church in the last—in uh, 2009— and this was a huge uh, conference that was held in uh, February this year. And we're just thankful that the Word of God has gone out and it's still bringing in fruit. And I just have to tell you one little story that there is a small group of Catholics who have been, they are using the word that we translated. And they came to this conference, just about half a dozen of them, and they presented a song, and they gave a little offering, small offering to Vic, and they said, we just want to thank you for giving us God's word in our own language. So we know the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it's reaching either into other areas and other groups of people, and we pray that there will be a great harvest that will continue. This is just the things for praying and giving. It's in uh, literacy, a replacement vehicle, building projects, funds for evangelism, wisdom for church leadership, spiritual growth for new believers. And if you're led to support Papua New Guinea, send your gift to the ACCF Missionary Committee for General Needs or a specific uh, area that the Spirit has put on your heart. Thank you for your faithfulness with gifts and prayer since the beginning work in 1961. We want to bless his people throughout the world until he comes in the clouds with power and great glory. This photo was taken, I took that last year, overlooking the Sea of Galilee at sunset. And the sun is going down, but we still have time to work yet, and we need to pray and to give and to share and to be busy about the Father's business until our Lord returns. Thank you for being such a blessing.
2: Good morning, everyone. Um, I hope I can use all my time to send these pictures. This is a baptism that we have in San Jose recently. Uh, This is a sister. I want to share a little story about this sister. She's about 60, 65 years old. She's the, the, a third cumber in the same family. Um, when she started coming to church, she used to ride a bike for uh, three miles and come to church every Sunday and every Thursday. And uh, when she started seeking the Lord, she um, was coming with a grand, grandson and a bicycle. Um, before that, uh, she she used to wear pants all the time. So when she started seeking, was advice and and, and remind her that the importance to have dress as a woman. And uh, so she was riding this time, and she for some reason fell down in a small canal. And uh, she get up and said to the grandson. Honey, it seems like the devil don't want us to go to church today, but we're not going to listen to him. We're going. She was with mud, and she was wet. She went to church. Eunice, you are going to encourage him for you and I, because many times the devil will stop us to go to church, because there's some other things very important. This is a church in San Jose, all the members. Um, I want you to, pr- uh, to ask you to pray for this church because Brother Marcelo and his family are returned back to Tecari after 10 years, of, 10 years and a half of uh, serving the Lord there. So there is no ministers right now, and we we're just going to live in your hearts, your hearts to pray if the Lord moves your heart to serve Consider it in prayer. Um, we will send uh, eventually uh, as much as we can. Maybe every three weeks, uh, every other three weeks, or every one month, send a minister from Tekari to spend some time over there. Um, so they they ask him for your prayers also, and, and uh, we know that a church needs to be served. We know that you've been praying for us those many years. Uh, We traveled to San Jose at least about 20 trips, and uh, we use different vehicles. This is one of them. And this is the first time that we have uh, something like this. Uh, One of the tires blew off, uh, gave us a time to brake, stop, and change uh, the tire. But the same day, we just after we changed the tire, we just was just ready to go back to Takari, and uh, I don't know the part of the bro- the car, but that w- broke. Uh, you can see it, you can see it here, and the whole wheel came off in front of the uh, vehicle. We thank God there was not in the road, but there was up. Just as we was going in, in the road, and we know there is many prayers to supporting us, to, so God can watch over us uh, because we're doing His service. And sometimes we take time to refresh our feet. Um, this is after Sunday, trying to visit somebody, an uh, orphan. This is a, a beautiful event that we have every year now for three years. Um, we have brothers and sisters that come from the States to Happiness, and there is a group of uh, young people after Vacation Bible School in Tecati. We Last year was close to uh, 300 that we have in church, and we have about 60, 70 uh, adults uh, that came for Vacation Bible School. and We had about 240, I believe, was for... Uh, ages from 3 to, to 12. Um, and we have faithful brothers and sisters that have been helping in many, many ways. And we know there is many prayers behind. Uh, this is in Tecati. Um, it's a small room, but I think the Lord does Miracles. some preparation for giving gifts and, and, and prizes for those that come faithfully the whole week um, and memorize verses. And we're thankful that we have been having help from the states also. Uh, this is uh, a uh, vacation Bible school in San Jose. Uh, also, they have over 300 kids. And the temperature is about uh, uh, around 120. And there's, this is the first year they have uh, air condition in the sanctuary. So this is one of the pictures. Uh, there's some of the young people helping also. And uh, some, some people, um, they need help pray for this couple. He's just been seeking the Lord. He's been announced to be baptized, so if it's a, uh, there's a story that I would like to share, not in this time, but if somebody's interested, I can do it personally. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Next we have Kevin and Elaine King. Um, they're going to be going down to uh, CLM,
3: and so they'll, they're going to be sharing a little bit of their story. Good morning. Um, my name is uh, Kevin King, and this is my wife, Elani, and uh, we have two kids here, uh, Darren and Amanda, which are in children's programs, and uh, we are from Tremont, Illinois. Uh, we are preparing right now to move to CLM in southern Brazil, and uh, I will be serving there as an administrator uh, over CLM uh, interviews and partially over CLM Turvo as well, uh, Mary Gibson, the current director, her role is going to change a little bit, and she's going to be moving more into direct child care. We'll be working together i will not we will not be out uh, doing each other, but I will be taking on a lot more of the physical areas of the orphanage um, and uh, because we are uh, not very familiar here, but most of you are very familiar with the work at CLM we would like to tell you a little more about ourselves and not quite so much about the home itself. Um, And so because of that, while I'm talking, there's going to be slides playing um, in the back that are going to uh, just kind of show you different uh, times throughout our testimonies. Um, This will probably be very different from most of the other missionary forums because we're mainly just going to tell our own stories and our testimonies um and uh just let you know what God is doing in our lives um, I also do this because uh testi- I believe personally that testimonies are a gift that God gives us. Our past is a gift that God has given us regardless of how hard it was. He allowed that and he has uh we are to use that for God's glory. And when we tell our testimony, we bring glory to God through the ways that he has worked in us. And you'll see that and I's testimonies of how we got to this point and the things we've gone through are much different from each other. Um, and so we want to testify about that and allow God to speak to people's hearts in whichever uh, aspect of our testimonies that he would see fit, not just the way that we think he needs to work. So... um I went as a short-term missionary for the first time to CLM on a work team in 1999 when I was 17. Um, I was part of the very first work team that went there to work on uh, the renovations of CLM entry hills, and that was my first exposure to missions and was was, uh, intended to be my last. Um, I thought that short-term missions, I thought that it was going to be a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Everybody should do that. Um, I never had any idea what God had planned for me, um, and so, uh, okay, uh, after that though, I basically felt led, uh, a friend of mine I, that's, it's not ours. <laughs> yep. Sorry, hit the wrong button then. Oh, sorry. Yeah, oh, sorry. There and yeah, okay. okay. Um, We, uh, I went back the following year, went to, uh, uh, with a friend of mine and I, and uh, the year after that, and if you were reading the prayer warrior letters in that time, you would have seen my name in there about every January, we were kind of like Christmas, and uh, we would spend about a month or so down there. Um, After a while, I started to believe this was something God was calling me to do for a longer period of time, and at a different place. So... I felt a call to go to Massano. There had been no Americans who had lived in Massano in 10 years, and when I did go there, I was the only English speaker in the entire town. Um, We led a work team there at first and for two weeks, and then I spent an additional month there. About uh, a couple years after that, I mean, I felt this call that this was what God wanted me to do for a very long period of time, and I went back in 2003, on a two-year term to Napo, Misano, and during that time there, um, I learned Portuguese in about six months, um, and I also met my wife, which at this time she's going to share a, a portion of her testimony. Can I
4: read? Um. This could be my testaments, how God changed my life. I apologize for my English. <laughs> uh, when, I, when I have, a, at my age of seven, I live in Jacareí, Sao Paulo, with my parents. And my mom left my dad when the, she found out that he is the owner of the house of prostitution. And uh, she went back to Naples to live with her parents. Her parents very poor, poor and very... My grandpa, he drank a lot. He was a very dangerous person. i can of mess up here. We have nothing but the clothes we have in our body when we come back to Naples. We have a very hard time. Most of the time we don't have food to eat. And uh, my brothers, my old brother have 13. My younger sister have a four years old. but five. And uh, they all need to work hard to... Prepare the food and prepare a life for my mom. Usually, we don't have a chance to go to the school. Um, we have a, I have very shame of my life because we're so poor, don't have food, don't have nothing to live with. And when I have 11 years old, I start drunk a lot. Every Sunday, I went to this friend's house, and the, we drank cups, and cups around until I f- totally fell down on the ground. And my mom went there and picked me in the arms and take me back home and just keeping repeat every Sunday. my age of thirteen years old, I went to leave this home and work for her and live with her. She has, she's trafficking drugs. So I started using lots and lots of drugs the whole day, the whole week, every day. I use lots and lots of kinds of drugs and in my 16 years old, I got pregnant of my daughter Amanda, and that was very hard pregnancy. I got sick, i staying in a bed for five months straight. After my daughter born, I meet a new friends and start go out in parties and clubs. So I start drink again and do all the bad kind of things. I drink a lot, but first we start going out like Saturday and Sunday nights. Then at the end, we the to go Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights. And when we were out, but we drank the whole night, like 12, 6 o'clock in the morning. That's the time I went home. And um, that's not enough because we are so empty. And we keep looking for something, for happiness. And all the drink we have is not enough to make us happy. So keeping keep for more and more. And nothing I I satisfies ourselves. So we start drinking to Monday to Monday every night. And uh, I was very hard. Um, my body I was destroyed. And uh, I was, don't have strength to work anymore or doing all my jobs. So I lost my job. And then I get depressed because now I have a daughter and I don't have a job. So I start drinking more and more. And we drink a lot and doing a lot kind of bad things. Tell one day I went to my friend's house, and this week, I stayed there for the whole week. I don't tell my mom where I'm going. I just went, and my mom don't have no clue where I was. And we drink the whole week, the whole day, the whole night, drink and drink and drink. So, and at the end of the week, I was so miserable. I started looking at myself and say, what kind of life is that? What kind of life I will have to my daughter? What kind of mom what kind of testament I am for her. I don't want this anymore, but I don't have no chance at all. So I decided to kill myself in a day. So I went home crying like a crazy to say goodbye to my daughter, and I, ho- I hold her in my arms. I, s- I ask her for forgiveness. And uh, I say goodbye to her, and i was ready to commit a suicide. When I hear this sweet voice in my head say, go to the church today. I said, I keep in crying, ready to go to do my whatever I go do, and the, the voice keeping says, "Come to the church today." My sister, she has accept Christ. She has ready going to the church. She never told me about Jesus Christ because I always make fun of her. So when she walked in the door with her Bible, say, "Can I go to the church with you?" and she laughed from her face because she thought I was joking. And she run away, and I say, how would I go to the church now? I don't know anybody there. And the voice keeping says, "Go alone. So I went to the church. I get wet and went to the church. And the moment I walk in the door, this teenager come and hug me, and I hold, uh, hold my hand and take me to the front. And she starts crying, and I start crying too. I have this song, and the music, everything the words say is, is exactly like what I need. So... And i moment I start crying, and ask God for forgiveness. Like, God bring in my mind every scene, everything that I've done. And I ask God, forgive me this and this and this. And then God changed my life in a day. I go talk more in the afternoon if you guys want to come here.
3: Okay. Um, my testimony is slightly different than that. Um, and I can sum it up in about... 30 seconds, which I'll have to do. Um, I was raised in a Christian home and was homeschooled um, all the way through high school. So, and grew up in a church. And so by all definitions, I was what you'd call sheltered. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) man. So I became... uh, I never did really uh any of that um and I was I never experimented with alcohol never experimented with cigarettes drugs of any sort and Eleni was the first girlfriend that I ever had and we got married so um mainly um what we want to accomplish in our testimonies is a challenge of the, the uh balance that we see here that I, did, I didn't I did do a whole lot of things that we would classify as wrong, but I was as in need of God's forgiveness as a- Ailini was. And um, she has taught me more in our relationship about Christ than I have taught her because she knows God in a very, very, very personal way. Um, he has saved her a lot, and um, she is very grateful for that. On the missions standpoint, what I'd like to bring out in my testimony is that I started going when I was 17. Um, I had no idea what God had for me, and most people who were with me would never have expected this, um, and I did not expect this either. About We did not expect this. We've been back in the U.S. for about five years now, and uh, we're kind of living out life. We bought a house, and I have a decent job and last year uh, we were approached by the missionary committee and asked if we would consider taking the administrator position in at CLM it was something that got they believed that God had led them to speak to me and uh, we agreed to pray about it and over the next few months we prayed about it and we were given the conviction that God wanted us to go forward we did not know if that was what God wanted but one thing was made clear. God wanted us to allow him to close the door. He didn't want us to close the door. So we went forward and uh, went. Uh, we were asked to go down to CLM for a one-month trial period in November, and we did that. And uh, in February, we were asked to take the position and prepare to leave for the U.S. Right, or for Brazil, I'm sorry. And uh, so... Um, this was a journey of trust, and it was not easy all the time. Um, it brought about a lot of questions, but within that, we're going to we believe uh, without a shadow of a doubt that we are right where God wants us to be, and we are very excited in that. And so, um, here's just kind of the summary of that. We'll we'll be sharing more in an afternoon forum if you'd like to hear more about it. But uh, here's where we're at. We sold and closed on our house, or we're closing on our house on August 11th, and uh, I received my permanent visa two weeks ago, and uh, we are still in need of about $700 per month, which is not $700 anymore, but is uh, what uh, that is basically the only thing that is keeping us from leaving at this point. As soon as our funding is met 100%, we plan to buy plane tickets and hopefully leave in... uh, middle to uh late may or uh, august i'm (laughs) sorry so all right thank you thank you very much for sharing
0: that i certainly encourage uh, as many as want to hear more about their story Um, i've certainly heard more i've spent some time with them in the last few days and it's quite amazing what the lord has done and it was very touching Um, so they'll be in martin chapel at 3 p.m this afternoon Uh, The other thing is, uh, if you feel led to support them financially, uh, when you write down CLM while you're here at camp, when you write down CLM, we will understand that to mean Kevin and Elaine uh, towards their support. So I encourage you to consider that, please.
5: Okay, I'm going to speak a little bit about Green Olive Tree Ministries in Brazil. Just give you a little information about it. All of these pictures have been taken from uh, two work team visits in November and December of last year. Forgive me if I speak fast uh, due to time constraints. Okay, just to give you an idea of where Green Olive Tree Ministries is, it's on the eastern tip of Brazil, about an hour outside of Recife, in a depressed region of of Brazil, hilly country. You can get an idea of how it looks there. Um, So who is GOTM? Uh, They are the Freeman family, Brent and Debbie Freeman and their children, and uh, they have two kind of uh, locations Uh, One is Laban's house is where the the Freeman family lives and the other one is a Pombo school Uh, and so I'll just explain um, Those two Locations there. So this is the Freeman family. This is Brent and Debbie Freeman and their children. They have four biological children Uh, They have seven adopted children and they have ten foster children and they are in process They would like to adopt all of the foster children. They're in process to adopt as many as them Hopefully all of them as possible Here's another picture of the children at Laban's house. Uh, they're all in their school uniforms and also two of the children from, of the, the farmhand that, that live with the uh, Freemans that live on their property. Uh, cute kids. This is uh, Brent and Debbie's oldest son, Ben, and his wife, Stephanie, and they have three children. Um, the, the third one was born after these pictures were taken, and they also live at Laban's house in a separate uh, building.
0: Yeah. I, Go ahead. I slipped that one in. I forgot to tell Eric about that one. Um, ben and Stephanie are coming to the U.S. Uh, shortly, and so this is uh, the itinerary. I don't know if it's 100% finalized, so there may be some adjustments there. So we've got uh, Carol Capp's email on there. If you're interested in meeting them, knowing a little bit more about them, you might be able to meet up with them in, in one of those uh, locations.
5: Okay, this is a shot of Laban's house. You can see the building there. It's in a beautiful area of Brazil, hilly area, and it's actually a ranch, a ranch property. They have a fair amount of property. They raise cattle, and they also have horses. Here's another picture of Laban's house there. Um, There's two buildings. There's an older building behind, and then there's a newer building that they built um, or built um, in addition. Uh, they have a number of horses uh, that they purchased with the property, and they use these horses as part of their ministry. They are uh, very effective tools for training the children and for developing character in the children. Um, I know some of you are familiar with Miracle Mountain Ranch, and uh, uh, some of the, the Freeman's children have attended that, and uh, they 're using those lessons and incorporating that, and they use it with the Pombos school children as well. Uh, so this is a shot of the uh, lunchtime, I think, at the Freeman household. And everyone is at a big Log table, um, so it's nice to have that time together. Um, and uh, this is an evening shot of, of um, Brent reading stories to the children. Uh, let me read an excerpt uh, from the, one of the emails. Uh, this is Debbie speaking. As we always like to stress, our consuming concern is the children in the home. Their 24-hour care and training and education and discipling are our primary focus, even though the other important ministries take much of our attention. Um, as I mentioned, they have a plan to adopt as many of the children, all of the children, as they can. And they have a local judge that's very supportive of that and is helping them through all the red tape. This is a Pumbos school. Uh, Pumbos is about 45 minutes away. This is where they started out a number of years ago. They lived in Pumbos for a number of years. And they have a school there of 50 to 70 students. And all of, it, all of them are sponsored by donations. It's not a, um, there's no tuition. Uh, I think they only have to pay for uniforms. There are four teachers uh, I think two full-time, and then the Freeman family, too, makes regular trips during the week to teach various subjects. This is a shot of Pombos. Um, it's, uh, parts of Pombos are, are, are more uh, run-down or in poor uh, condition. Part of the reason they moved to Levin's house was to uh, take away their children for, from some of the influence that was here, that they felt that their children were being negatively affected by. Here are some pictures of... Uh, this is Sarah and Dito and their children, and they are the caretakers at Pombos. This, these are t- school teachers Leo and Tatiana. And they're also uh, believers there and, and form part of the church uh, that Brent and Debbie have. Uh, okay, now we're just going to get into a little bit of what the work teams that went there last year did. This is the first work team. This is um, uh, from Kitchener and Toronto, Tomich's and my father and I. Um, this is the work team from Norton that went in December following. Uh, they really appreciate visits. That's, I think, one of their main challenges is isolation, and that they they would love to have more visitors and more connection. Um, here's just some shots of the types of things we did uh, while we were there. Uh, one of the tasks was finishing the second floor of Leibniz House, the concrete finishing. Um, another task was. Uh, building washrooms up at the stables, thats uh, which is a fair distance from the house. So they had to build, uh, dig a septic tank and uh, build uh, washroom buildings. Here's a shot of the the nearly completed no-roof um, washroom. Another one of the things we did was uh, dig a well, a new well for them. Um, the December team, they did some roofing at the um, Pombo School. Those are shots from that. And lastly, uh, we just like to review GOTM's needs. Uh, as always, they cover prayers specifically for their family and specifically for the salvation of their children. It's their desire that every one of them would come to know Jesus personally. Uh, and the adoption process. They feel that that's critical to their continued ministry to these children, that they are able to adopt them and, and have the real parental uh, uh, control and care of them. Uh, there's always a threat, as long as they're foster children, of, of their, their natural parents maybe coming back and pulling them into a situation that is not healthy. Um, they are now engaged in active outreach with, uh, with the Labans House community. Uh, families, about 250 families around there, and they have some specific plans uh, to do some outreach in uh, that area. So please play for that. I think Ben is heading that up. And for their continued safety. Um, also prayers for the school, uh, for their teachers and staff. And, and the uh, spiritual development of the children that are affected there. And they have a means of outreach through those school families that they interact with. They use the Laban's House as a means, um, as like a, a camp uh, that they can have the school children come to. A father, They do father-son camps and mother-daughter camps, and it's a real uh, effective tool that way. Of course, they would always love visitors, and if you would consider participating in a work team or, or going there, they would really appreciate that. It, it's been a wonderful experience. Um, not only uh, I maybe gave you the wrong impression that it was all about construction there while we were there we did some teaching um, music and art and things like that too that's they really appreciate that it's a a more complete um, there's there are many needs two-way communication uh, they really appreciate that too and lastly of course donations
0: thank you next uh, brother cheta is going to be sharing a little bit about what's happening in eastern europe
6: I just want to share how much blessings we have experienced uh, by working for past uh, 40 years on these projects. One of the first projects was to actually uh, do the uh, Serbian Zayn's harp, and uh, when uh, we were working on it and we asked for help, uh, we got dollar uh, 89 cents, and. Uh, price for printing the psalm book was worth uh, half of our house value. But uh, the Lord has blessed it in the meantime immensely. And today we have actually surplus of funds on every one of these projects. And while it's mainly um, uh, privately funded in recent years, uh, several uh, churches and our uh, missionary board of Canada has contributed and the foundation has contributed. And I just want to tell you that it is a tremendous blessing because it's working. We, because originally we were never funded and they never helped in funding, and privately it was funded, uh, we have designed a way of how to make it self-sufficient. And uh, uh, the way how we did it, we uh, created it as uh, interest-free loans, And uh, every single brother and sister who wanted to receive the interest-free loan had to be examined by a committee that was headed by the elder brother who was an accountant, where they were qualified, are they going to be able to return the money they borrowed? And uh, you can see here that one couple uh, has... uh, taken on a loan, and assumed a liability to see one sister that owned the ruins of one house uh, so that uh, they would be helped that that house would be fixed and they would get to nurse the sister to the end of her life and in the end they would own the house and the property and return the money that they borrowed to do that. So today we have uh, actually uh, worked on... Uh, Uh, six different Zion's Harps and uh, psalm books uh, and uh, one elder brother has admonished me saying uh, you must allow others to share in the blessings so we did open it up and we did ask if anyone wants to share in a blessing and be blessed by the Lord help out Um, we are obviously not asking for the money our next project is German Zion's Harp and our next project is uh, the orphanage in Nagy uh, in Hungary. And uh, I'm sure that the Lord will bless that just as well. And if anyone wants to share, you're welcome.
7: Alrighty, I'm doing uh, Kentucky. I went, it was back two years ago, so it's, memory's a little faint, but it's still all right. Um, there's been about, I think, six or seven different work teams that have went since, um, and basically, I don't have too much time, so I just wanted to say kind of a brief little testimony of how it was for me and with a little bit of background information. Um, let's see here. This was back, uh, founded back in 1986 um, by Jerry and Sandy Tuck, and i have a picture of them in a little bit. Um, she wasn't able to have children, or they weren't able to have children, so they adopted. And it was a disabled child at three and a half months old. And ever since then, she found that the most amazing blessing in her life. So they have adopted many disabled children. Um, Since then, I don't know the exact number. That's them there. Her quote that she has in her book, I don't think God gave me time to think about it. We took every child God sent us. One person's pain is another person's joy. I just get joy out of it. She died in 2007, and this is her grave site. They have a cottage in the back, and her grave is there, and she's known as mom there to everybody. Um, and it's not just a home for disabled people. It's uh, As well, they have a private Christian school with approximately 70 or 80 students, and also there is... Um, it's called Angel House, which I'll get to in a little bit. Really interesting. There's Jerry. He's dad. He is... <laughs> Pretty cool guy. Um, They love him there. And ever since um, Sandy passed away, it's been very difficult for him, but he's doing really well. This is the Schultz family. They help out um, majorly at the Galilean home. They do everything helping out with the Blessing House, which is where the disabled uh, um, children are at. Um, Not really children, but they call them that. As well as uh, with everything there. And they have... uh, way of funding. Um, they have Bread of Life Cafe where um, people from the school work as well as the Angel, or as well as the Blessing House, um, and as other people from the, uh, from the home. Um, they have a trading post, um, and then the Galilean Christian Academy, as well as the Horse and Buggy County Inn. Um, and these are all funding towards the uh, Galilean Children's Home. This is the Angel House. What's interesting about this is they are infants, little toddlers, one to three years old whose parents or mom is in prison. And it's amazing to see um, these little children there and what they can do. And it's, um, it's really touching. They go every Thursday to, um, to go see their mom. And they have a video if you guys want to watch it. Um, basically how the moms react to when they see their kids. And after their, um, time in prison, um, right when they walk out that door, the, uh, the people are there with their baby waiting with open arms and it's, uh, it's free of charge. Here's the blessing house again, a couple pictures. (laughs) This is James. Uh, he's an awesome guy. This is the second, um, child they adopted that was disabled. He's hilarious. And here's George. And a couple things I wanted to say, um, it was probably the most humbling experience I've ever had in my life going to this home. He was walking by and he called my name. He's got a real high-pitched voice and it was pretty funny and uh, we had a good time with him and he pointed in the sky and I said, yeah, I know. I'm like, George, I'm like, the son's there. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, God. I'm like, yeah, God, yeah. And I'm like, you know, he loves you. He's like, yeah. He's like, he's in my heart. And it hit me. Seeing that, was probably the most humbling thing I've ever seen in my life. Someone disabled telling me that God's in their heart. Here's Gabe. He's one of the other uh, kids at the Blessing House as well as uh, Levi. And here's the, uh, the Christian Academy that they have there. It's approximately 70 students. They got an awesome gym there. So while you're there, you do get to use the gym. It's pretty cool. Um, this is more pictures from the, uh, from the home or from the academy. And uh, awareness dinner, what we did there was... it looks funny, but after the fact, you realize how difficult it is to being uh, disabled or having um, maybe not a hand, maybe not a leg, and maybe can't even see, and it is extremely difficult. One more thing I'd like to add. Another humbling experience that I had when I was at the, uh, we were actually at the Bread of Life Cafe where they work and they can make a little bit of money and also goes towards the home. There was uh, a guy there and he came a while back from the, uh, from the Middle East somewhere and he was a waiter. And I'm like, I forget his name, that's not the point. I'm like, hey Mike, how's it going? He's like, man, he's like, it's going awesome. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, that's great. And he's collecting the plates. And I looked down and he had no hands. And he's a waiter. And he's like, man, things are good. And I stood there, I'm like, yeah, wow, I'm like, things are good. If you want a humbling trip that's not even that far away, just check it out. I'm like, it's incredible. You will never be so humbled in your life.
8: Thanks. Good morning, everyone. Um... This morning, I'd like to speak a little bit about some of the uh, domestic uh, mission and ministries that we have going on here in North America, and more specifically in Canada. Um, The idea came uh, about six months ago to organize a retreat weekend for the um, kids from the Lighthouse and from Pelham Park Ministry. And um, the idea came from Thomas Nitz. He really had a a passion to reach out to some of these kids and to work um, on a deeper level with them. So uh, we began organizing a a retreat weekend um, for a group of kids uh, that took place this past spring. And uh, just to give a little bit of background for those who might not know what the Lighthouse is uh, and also the Pelham Park Ministry, the Lighthouse began about 15 years ago. It... um, It started in Kitchener, and basically uh, it was an after-school program for kids where kids could just come and play games, have snacks, um, sports, and also uh, learn about God. We had Bible lessons that we did, and um, just about two years ago, a second Lighthouse was, a second Lighthouse ministry was started a little bit closer to our church in Kitchener near the Strasburg Road Church, uh, and that has gone very well since then. Um, also, um, Pelham Park Ministry, I know it's been presented here before, so I won't go into too much detail, but that began about five years ago, um, by, uh, Dennis Delick and just, uh, working with some of the kids in, uh, the Pelham Park community in Toronto. So, um, the, the retreat, uh, was planned for, uh, a, a weekend. It was a two-day retreat, um, and it was planned at the Rocky Ridge Ranch, which is, um, basically halfway between Kitchener and Toronto. And the purpose of the weekend was, as I mentioned earlier, was to really uh, get to know the kids uh, on a deeper level and to reach out to them uh, a little bit closer than we had been before, just seeing them for, you know, the couple hours that we would during a week. Um, So there was about 25 of us that went on this retreat. um, About half were volunteers and half were kids. And we went to this Rocky Ridge Ranch... And um, the weekend was uh, a lot of fun. We had some time of uh, just sharing, teaching time, where we would do uh, topics with the kids um, and teach them. We would um, do singing. We had some small group discussions, some... uh, testimonies um, from those who were there and uh, it was just a really great weekend and it's it was a real blessing because it's incredible and I this is something that I've seen just being involved in these ministries over the last um, you know 15 years of my life uh, ever since the lighthouse was started to see how these kids have grown to actually having knowledge about God a lot of these kids when they come uh, I remember this past year there was a new girl that came and on the first day that she came to the lighthouse, um, she, was, she was sitting in the, in, the, uh, in the lesson that we had and she was just uh, she, sort of like halfway through she raised her hand and she's like, uh, excuse me, what's the Bible? She, she had no idea what the Bible was. She, she really had no concept of God or anything. And it was incredible to see how throughout the year, Um, By the end of the year, she understood the Bible, she knew what it was, she understood that it was God's word, she understood who Jesus was and why he came to this earth and why he died. And it was just, it's amazing to see how much these kids can learn um, in such a short period of time, they just soak it up. So throughout the weekend, we had the opportunity to really go deeper with these kids and um, to uh, Just go deeper on more spiritual levels. Um, The the weekend also included a a lot of fun aspects as well. Um, We had activities for the kids. There was horseback riding there at the ranch. There was um, sports. There was archery. Um, Just really good facilities and a a lot of uh, really good opportunities for uh, team building and just to get to know the kids and just to have fun with them and build relationships with them. And finally, um, fellowship. There was just a great Uh, great time that we could spend, you know, sitting around the campfire and just getting to know these kids a lot better, building relationships with them. And um, it was cool because uh, there were also some kids from uh, our church in Kitchener and also from Toronto who came and and joined us for this event. And it was interesting to, it was great to see how um, kids from our church were able to uh, interact with the kids from the Lighthouse and from Pelham Park and build relationships with them. And it's really great because now I see um we've we've had the opportunity to start to bring um some of these kids to church on a regular basis and um it's just been a real blessing to see how god has has worked through that and um how we can uh reach these kids for christ and i guess just to to wrap it up i'm sort of out of time but uh i would have just encourage you all to um especially those who are from maybe a smaller church to consider a ministry like this consider um, you know reaching out to kids, kids are so um, open to receiving the gospel they're so uh, the, Bi- the, Bi- the Bible says that um, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it and uh, it's I think just ministries like this are a great opportunity to bring kids to your church, especially from your especially if you 're from a smaller church and um, you, you, know, you don't have a big Sunday school. Bring kids. Encourage them to come. And uh, I really believe that God will bless you and that he can uh, make something great out of it. Thank you.
9: Thanks for the exhortation, Brother Ben. I think I'll take that into consideration. Um, and really, that's what uh, I want to share with you this morning because I don't think probably less than 5% of you um, know what God has been doing in my wife and my life over the last uh, what, year and a half. A year and a half ago, God brought a calling to me to say, you have gifts that can be used, start using them. Um, And one of my greatest passions has always been to work with the youth, um, to work with kids, to work with troubled teens. Um, And like Kevin and Brother Eric and Brother Sam have mentioned, um, that just blossomed by going on work teams. From going to the Jamaican deaf Village um, with the sister church in our first couple years of marriage, um, to the Kentucky home, Um, to many of the other different um, things that we've done locally and and within our community. And and it's just been a blessing. And and God, over the last year and a half, has been directing us down the path to begin a ministry very similar to that which uh, the Freemans are doing um, down in in GOTM with a horse ranch ministry, working with kids and working with troubled teens. Um, And we've called it Redemption Ranch. Um, We're starting it out. It's going to be... God willing, into the new year, we'll be starting it. Um, And the basic premise is to take that which is broken, which is neglected, that which is abused and seen as worthless, both in horses and in kids, and allowing God's love and God's hope and God's power to transform that into something that's beautiful and whole. So what is Redemption Ranch? What is it going to be about? It's going to be about victory. It's going to be about having fun. It's going to be about being together as kids and learning together. It's going to be about horses. It's going to be about rescue and redemption. Um, It's going to be about hard work. And it's going to be centered around a mentorship experience with one child and one horse and one leader. Our mission is to rescue horses, to serve the needy, to minister to families and mentor to families and then equip individuals. And basically, again, it's focused around rescue and rehabilitation of abused and abandoned, sick, neglected horses, horses that nobody wants, but horses that can bring extreme value um, in reaching the hearts of kids and families and individuals as well. Because those horses all have a story to tell, their history, where they came from, what they've experienced. Just like many of the people that we deal with and come in contact with our community that have a story, too. Each of us have a story, Um, even like Sister Elena's story as well. Um, And so we'd like to use those stories to reach out and to minister and to mentor and to provide services for those that are disadvantaged and discouraged, at risk and troubled, whether children, youth, families, um, or adults. And to do so in a unique one-on-one mentoring experience where we can meet together, where they can experience unconditional love, acceptance, belonging, be provided with hope that it isn't as bleak and as dark as their circumstance seemed to be, and that there's an opportunity for healing together. And it's been well-documented interactions with horses have, have provided incredible insight into our own selves and how we are and how we react and how we interact with one another, um, and provide a great foundation for, for building character and understanding what hard work is, but yet at the same time understanding that it's fun too. Um, and there can be fun involved in it. So if you'd like to learn a little bit more about where we're at in this journey, um, please come to campus center room one Oh five at three o'clock right after the afternoon forum by brother Louis and sister Linda. Um, and we'll share a little bit more what's going on and where we're at and some of the incredible things that God has done already so far and, and what he has in store for us, we hope and pray. Thanks.
10: My name is Rod Cook, and um, I'm here talking to you because I'm part of the uh, Apostolic Christian Church Foundation trustees. And uh, one of the things that we'd like to do on the, uh, for the, the uh, foundation, would like to do is to start a work team committee that it would be similar to the uh, Canadian ACC-MBC Work Team Committee, only um, we're going to try to focus on getting more of those, those of you in the U.S. churches involved in work teams. And uh, we want to uh, work together with the uh, ACC-MBC work teams to support potentially some, some larger projects or to um, provide additional workers if they're short or they Perhaps uh, we'll be able to start some work teams of our own that uh, they will help us fill out. And what we'd like to do is to help bring together people with similar interests and uh, help with fundraising issues. If you have a work team that uh, would need some funding, and also to coordinate logistics. Now, in some ways, you know, any anybody can start a work team. Um, a couple years ago, I took three of my kids to Puerto Rico or to Paraguay. <laughs> And uh, two other, uh, a couple other people came from Ohio, and all of a sudden we were a work team. And we didn't even know it. Um, but we got down there, and there was plenty of work to do, I can tell you that. And uh, so we're looking for anybody that's interested in, in uh, support as far as starting a work team. We're looking for new ideas and uh, opportunities that you might think exist and that uh, you would like to get the word out and try to uh, get some of your friends or some of uh, your neighbors interested in participating. Uh, We're going to need team leaders and team members. Um, We're trying to do a joint project with the ACC-MBC Work Team Committee in Paraguay this winter. Uh, Paraguay has a school building that houses approximately 300 students now, K through 12, and our our church school there, uh, they need to finish the first floor kitchen and dining room and also uh, build another set of classrooms on top of that in order to be able to meet the demand for uh, classroom space for the coming year. If you'd like more information, um, please go to the ACC MBC website. Um, There's a sign-up form there. You can also sign up for the... uh, there's there's a uh, form there that you can fill out to become part of a work team. Uh, there's also an email news list that you can sign up for, so that you're kept informed of events. Uh, we've also started a Facebook group uh, called ACC Work Teams, and uh, would like to get some conversations going there and to try to uh, to get some things started. If you want to contact me via email, there's my email address. Or on the Canadian side, uh, Brother David Dimeliks, uh, the team leader for the Paraguay project this winter. So. Um, we think there should be lots of pinup up demand out there for uh, U.S. citizens for this. And, you know, if you've listened today, you've seen, uh, you've seen what work teams have done for, and for lots of, in lots of people's lives. And uh, if you've been touched, um, perhaps you'd like to be part of the next work team and uh, see your, uh, your picture up here next year. Thank you.
0: Thank you for sharing that. Uh, in regards to the sign-up, you can sign up as far as for missionary news on the emailing list. You can go to that website, accmbc.org, and uh, go to the mailing list link and sign up. Or if you prefer, there's going to be a sign-up sheet right down here. We'll leave it, I think, maybe on the corner of the stage here. Um, and you can put your email down here, if, there, if you like. Um, also, um, I'm going to, we just discussing amongst ourselves, make a slight modification to the presentations this afternoon. Um, rather than having both Brother Mark and, then, and uh, uh, Kevin and, and Elaine do theirs in two different rooms at the same time, we're going to combine them in the same room. So we're going to be, they're going to be at Campus Center, 105 at 3 p.m. We'll have Kevin and Elaine first for the first half hour and then uh, uh, Mark Varga at 3.30 in that same room. You can donate to any, just a reminder of uh, some of what was announced this morning, you can donate to any ACCF mission. Just the, base, the most important thing is just to mark your donation where you want it to go. If you mark it CLM here at camp, it's going to go to Kevin and Elaine's uh, support. I think that's all that I'll say about that. Back to our underlying theme there. How is your spiritual gift being used to further the Great Commission? Jesus did a lot of things, and he left us a lot of examples and a lot of instructions. The purpose of our life in Christ is not merely to have a life in comfort, a good career, a good education, a well-planned retirement. Those are not the things that Jesus demonstrated. Those are the things that our culture demonstrates. Those are the things that we naturally are taught to strive for, but in many ways, Some of those things are contrary to the striving of the kingdom of God. Another thing we'd like to think about is, uh, you know, we look at indicators of what's a healthy church, and we all have in our mind a picture of what is a healthy church. I'd like us to consider this morning, my brother and my sister, one indicator of a healthy church is how many people we send to the mission field. How many workers are there that go, either as work teams, as permanent, as long-term, How many have been sent from your congregation? Are we even thinking up in those terms? Is that even on our list of metrics as what is a healthy church? Let's be thinking about that. Are we willing to pay the cost of discipleship? There's a lot there. We're going to have a closing prayer. And uh, after the closing prayer... Oh, before I say that, one more point here. I want to make sure I don't forget... Today is Kevin and Elaine's last full day here at camp. They're leaving tomorrow morning, so if you want to connect with them, today is your, uh, your opportunity uh, to do that. The harvest is great, and the laborers are few. Where in the harvest does the Lord want you to be working? Brother Edmund is going to be uh, closing in a, in a closing prayer, and then uh, after that, um, I would like us, we have a few minutes, I would like us... To just consider the. I'm going to be playing a song, and if you need to exit, exit quietly so that the others can just think about what they've heard as well as the message of the song.
11: Let's all bow our heads in the word of prayer. Almighty God, we are thankful we can be here to see your glory we're reminded of Isaiah, who had the privilege of seeing your glory. But he didn't just see the power raised on high, the train filling the temple, the cherubims, the the doorpost shaking. He heard God's heart. As God cried out, whom shall I send? Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you have a heart that loves the fatherless, that loves everyone, no matter what their mental abilities, no matter how far, no matter how primitive, no matter what color of skin, no matter what background, your heart is broken for them. Heavenly Father, we pray that your glory might break ours, help us to come to our knees and to cry out with all that we have and all that we are. Oh, Father, send me. Amen.